through an orange light and turned left into Dublin Airport. Don't forget you have to go and pay those bills. I have them in my bag. I'll go to the bank in the airport after you've gone through. Molly pulled into the short-term car park and drove up to the departures level, slamming on the brakes when she saw a large BMW reverse out of a parking spot. Excellent. Declan was out of the car before she'd even turned off the engine, and she hurried after him. Boarding pass? He opened his jacket and checked his inside pocket. Yeah. And you're on the six o'clock flight home? He nodded. I'll be waiting, she promised, almost trotting now to keep up with his long, purposeful stride. Uh, Then we could go for a bite to eat. I don't know, Molly. I'll probably be exhausted. We'll play it by ear. If you're too tired, we can always pick up takeaway instead. They reached the gate and Declan pecked her on the cheek, then turned to go. Uh, Remember, Declan, she called after him. They'd be damned lucky to get you. He stopped and turned around slowly. Did you really cry at Thriller, he asked, his eyes softening. She held out her hands. Hey, I was only eight. He came back and pulled her into his arms. I don't deserve you, he murmured against her ear. True. She smiled and breathed in the fresh scent of shampoo mingled with cologne. Sorry I've been so moody, it's just, I really want this job. I know, and I hope you get it. He kissed her slowly and then smiled. See you tonight. Molly watched until he disappeared from view and then, still smiling and savouring his kiss, made her way to the escalator down to the arrivals area. It was packed as usual, and it took her a good five minutes to fight her way down to the bank. There were three people queuing, and with a resigned sigh, she got in line. A loud laugh made her turn around, and she smiled as a group of young men in blazers tossed a rugby ball around between them. They looked to be in their mid-twenties, and seemed vibrant, fit and carefree, and very easy on the eye. As she watched, they were joined by a slightly older man, who clapped his hands for their attention and spoke to them in rapid, fluid French. As they took the ball away and started to gather their belongings, their minder looked around to check the departures board above Molly's head, and their eyes met. Molly froze. Next, please! Molly turned to see the clerk, gesturing impatiently, and she hurried to the counter, handing over her card and forms, and as the girl studied them, she turned back to look for him, but he had disappeared into the crowd. "'Could you enter your PIN number, please?' the clerk said. "'Oh, yes, sorry.' Quickly, Molly finished her business and walked back through the arrivals hall, scanning the crowds around her, but he was nowhere in sight." Not knowing whether to feel relieved or disappointed, Molly left the airport, got into her car, and drove home in a daze. Luke Fortune She hadn't seen him in almost twelve years. It was hard to believe it was that long. For the two years preceding that, he and Ruth had been her life, and then they were gone leaving a gaping hole that Molly didn't think she'd ever be able to fill. But, as her mother had said, time heals. 
Except that was crap. Time didn't heal. You just discovered reasons to go on. Found ways to cope. Crawled your way through each minute. Waded through each day. Dragged yourself through one week, and then the next, and then the next. Molly had thrown herself into her studies, and that had got her through the first few years. She had abandoned the plan to train as a doctor, and instead switched to psychology. And now she had her work, and she had Declan, and life was normal again. Time didn't heal. It just made you realise that you were not in control, that you had to accept that sometimes things happen. Ignoring the post on the hall table, the laundry basket waiting by the washing machine, and the cereal bowls in the sink, Molly made herself a coffee.